Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. Here's a story for you, a story called Modern Mutual Missionary. I'm so thrilled to welcome Naomi Spehom to All Places Together. She's joining us from Bratislava, Slovakia, where she is an English teacher and the education coordinator for the Central Europe Teachers Program of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Naomi has her TEFL TESOL certificates, which means that she is certified to teach English as a foreign language or to people who are learning English as a second language. Her husband is named Nick, and he is also a teacher there, and they have lived in Slovakia for four and a half years. Together, they have two children. Naomi loves to read, especially sci-fi fantasy and web comics. She also loves to knit and has most recently finished a cheetah hat for one of her kids and has started on a dino hat for the other. They also play Wordle together every day as a family. Welcome to All Places Together, Naomi. Thank you, Colleen. It's really good to be here. So I'm particularly excited about this conversation because Naomi and I met, goodness, I guess over 10 years ago now. Um, she was a member at a church where I served in Indiana for a few years. And then while I was still there, moved to start this position in Slovakia, right? Or Actually, did I did I did move, um, but I moved because um, my spouse was uh, received a Fulbright to go uh, do research in Romania. So we have... Um, a lot of connections to Central Europe. That's right. I, I mostly remember like being sad and helping you move out of your apartment. Like that is the core memory that I hold on to. And so the other part that's really neat about our stories is that this program that Naomi now helps coordinate was the program that I was a missionary in over 10 years ago now, like before I went to seminary. So I've talked a few times here on the podcast about um, being a missionary in, in Poland. And so this is a part of the same program. So it's really exciting to kind of have these worlds collide and be able to share stories of now and some of mine from then. And so I'm just, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Me too. I've had a lot of fun catching up. So I think we've we've talked about this in some of the preparation, and it's really important to ground this conversation and build a foundation out about what it means to us to to us specifically, Naomi and Colleen, um, to be a missionary in the twenty first century. Like the word missionary has like a lot of baggage, and it certainly has not always been a good look. And so, Naomi, will you kind of start off? our conversation with explaining some of the words and vocab and like theology of how we approach this? So I think you're right about having this stigma around missionary work. I know if you had told me that I would be calling myself a missionary 10 years ago, I would have been, I don't know, <laughs> skeptical at best. Um, but I, I love that the church has this new sense of 
what it means to be a missionary um, and hopefully has mostly moved past the the colonial sense of going out and proselytizing and converting all the heathens. Um, and uh, the, the main word that the ELCA has been using is accompaniment. And I think this is so important. Um, one of the Bible stories that is used to sort of describe this sense of accompaniment is the road to Emmaus. And so mm. if you want me to refresh your memory, please do. <laughs> uh, this is actually perfect for the Easter season mm -hmm. because um, it happens uh, right after Jesus has been resurrected and um, not all of the disciples have met him again. So it's just sort of, we've got a couple of people who have seen him um, or seen the empty tomb and, and spoken with him and said, Hey, he's, he's risen. Um, and you've got a, a couple of disciples who are, who are traveling and they're they're really sad because so sad. Jesus has died and um, it's the end of an era and this guy comes up and starts walking with them and it's like well what are you talking about and and they say are are you serious you haven't heard what's going on and tells him all about Jesus' story and it's Jesus actually who's there yeah. and um. And finally, you know, when they get to where they're going, they convince him to stay with them and he breaks bread with them. And that's when they recognize that it's been Jesus walking with them all along. And so I love this sense. Um, uh, so we talk about accompaniment as walking together in solidarity characterized by mutuality and interdependence. So mm -hmm. we've got... You know, not exactly undercover Jesus, but but we've like, got everyone this, knows this... you're a missionary there. Like it's right. not a secret. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you could call it that. Um, but but this idea that you are walking together, you have a common purpose, you are reliant on each other. Um, as a missionary, you're meeting people where they are. You've been invited into this relationship, and I think. Um, that's that's one of the most important parts is that we're invited here. And in this case, you know, I'm in, in Slovakia. We have um, uh, schools in Slovakia and Poland. And this is a, a mission that enhances the schools. So, uh, so we're teaching in these high schools. And we've been invited because we're native speakers. We have abilities to speak English naturally, and we have this different perspective than non-native speakers of English. So we're really able to add value. Uh, one of the ways I describe this too is um, I am a musician. I like to sing. Yes. And <laughs> um, I sing in, in the choir yeah. at, at our former congregation. And um, I, I like this sense that a pianist and a singer can separately make good music, but together they make so much more. Yeah. They work together. They bring their own gifts to the table. And together they come up with something that is richer than the component parts. Yeah. And the interplay between the two, both with 
the music and also with like this approach to missionary work that it's the relationship, it's the back and forth. And I know I felt like I got so much out of my experience in Poland. Like I learned so much about God and myself and my faith in the world that I don't actually know, like compared to what English I was able to teach. Um, (laughs) You know, I, I definitely like served a purpose there, but I learned from them as well. And so it's just such a different approach than what Lutherans did long ago, maybe not that long ago, but decades ago and certainly hundreds of years ago. Um, And it is also different from what some of our kind of like contemporary peer churches do as well. Like this kind of. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of this like colonial model of like go in and tell these people about Jesus to get them saved. Like that still happens. um, But that's not the approach that our denomination takes. Um, and that that piece of being invited, I think that like most of the people I interacted with, like were already Christian, like we're already Lutheran, like maybe Catholic. Um, Poland's very Catholic country. Slovakia too. Yeah, yeah. So it's more about like how we grow together in faith. Like Jesus is already there. Like Jesus is everywhere. Like that's what one of the things we say at all places together, right? That God is wherever you are. But that through that relationship and time spent together, like the the kingdom of God is is strengthened and experienced more fully. Love it. Well, so let's zoom in then on kind of your particular experience right now. And can you share with us a little bit about what it's like to be in Slovakia these days? What are some lovely things about life there? And maybe what are some of the, the harder things too? Absolutely. So um, Slovakia is a fairly small country. There are about five and a half million people. The capital where I live is Bratislava, and it's a city of about half a million people. Um, it's a mountainous country. One very interesting fact is that it has the most castles per capita in Europe. I don't think I knew that. It depends, of course, on your definition of a castle, but it <laughs> is course. rife with with castles. And it's also um, the biggest car manufacturer per capita in Europe. So as far as the the current culture goes, I think it's a lot like the U.S. in many ways. One of the things that I hear from students fairly regularly, so I teach conversation classes, and uh, one of the groups that I work with is the graduating class, they're preparing for their big school leaving exam. So we have conversations about a lot of heavy topics because that's the kind of thing that they have to know before they graduate and they have to show that they know it. So one of the things that comes up fairly regularly in those conversations is that there's quite a gap, uh, generation gap, as well as urban rural gap. So you'll find a lot of the younger generation to be much more progressive and a lot of the older generation to be a lot more conservative. Same goes with the urban population being more progressive and rural population being more conservative. So you have quite a bit of variety. This does sound very familiar. (laughs) Exactly. A lot like the U.S. Um, another, Another thing that 
you can see happening is uh, a lot of the younger generation is very accepting of the LGBTQ plus community and wants to afford that community the rights that they should have. And you don't always see that reflected in the older generation or the the rural population. Mm-hmm. I would say also about Slovakia that it's also very European. So there are a lot of countries, a lot of small countries close together. Bratislava is about an hour away from Vienna, Austria, which I believe other than Vatican City and Rome, it's the two closest capitals in Europe. So you find that because there are a lot of countries so close together, many people are are fairly comfortable functioning in multiple languages. Mm-hmm. So many of the students that I work with have excellent English abilities. I was a bit surprised when I came, but I shouldn't have been because people are so engaged in the media, in the internet, that there is a lot of opportunity to practice English. And at our school, you can choose um, an additional foreign language. So most people speak Slovak at home, but some speak Hungarian at home. And a lot of the children's programming is in Czech. So my, my kids, I want my kids to be able to experience Slovak and one good way to do that besides going to Slovak schools, which is they're they're both enrolled in uh, a Slovak daycare and um, a Slovak kindergarten. But we thought we would try to supplement with some kids programming and it's all in Czech. <laughs> it's really hard to find something in Slovak. Yeah. And they're they're very similar languages. They're basically mutually intelligible, but it's not quite the same. So that's that's been a challenge. The Czech market is just so much bigger than the Slovak market. <laughs> uh, so the foreign languages that are offered, I mean, the additional foreign languages, uh, it's a bilingual program. So everybody learns English. About half the classes are in English, including religion classes. And they can also choose between German and Russian as an additional foreign language. Some of the other schools offer French or Spanish not sure about other languages, but definitely German and Russian are probably the most common additional language. Another thing that is very European is that all the schools have school leaving exams, which is a very super official, difficult exam. It's split up into, I mean, think think SAT on steroids. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> description. Yes. <laughs> because it's three-hour exam, I think, that is a written exam, both listening, grammar, writing, Mm -hmm. and then there's an additional oral component to this where people have to prepare topics like the economy, healthcare, globalization, housing, all sorts of things. It's really crazy. I am awed by the ability of of many of these students. Yeah, I would not have wanted to take the exit exams. I think they sounded very intimidating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be helping administer them for the first time this year. Ooh. It'd be good. You'll be a good support for them in their in their hour of so. need. Yes. 
I, I just had several practice exams today. And I am happy to say that the three students I examined today all would have passed very nice. well. Nice. Uh, so I also appreciate the public transportation here. We live about a three-minute walk from a bus stop. And the bus line that we take most often comes every seven minutes or less all day from like 6.30 to 10. Wow. Which is wonderful. I know. Yeah. So it's it's been, you know, that's one of the things that's actually really lovely is that I have been much more active without a car. And it, you know, it gets me out. It gets me in public walking around quite a bit. I've I've appreciated that. It's certainly annoying to not have a car sometimes. Sure. But I I am much more active because of it. And I appreciate that. You also see a lot of people who want to leave and um, go to other European countries or go to the US. There's some brain drain that's happening, mm. which, is, which is really sad. I kind of give informal polls to some of my classes. They okay, how many of you are planning to study abroad for university or work abroad later on and it's like half mm. so they're losing a lot of talent which is sad you know it's kind of my adopted country now and it's one of your homes now it is i've also really appreciated the people here they're mm. just wonderful i have people starting conversations as i'm waiting for the bus and i'm <laughs> one of the first phrases i had to learn was i don't speak slovak <laughs> Oh, yes. I remember that I don't speak Polish. Yep. Yep. And I love that my kids can grow up bilingual. That's such an advantage. Yeah, definitely. And that the understanding that they're getting that there's so many different types of people in the world and different ways of thinking, like that is such a gift from a young age. Some of the harder things have been just sort of navigating the bureaucracy in general, not understanding what's going on uh, at the foreign police where they issue our visas or the medical system. Yes. They have specialists for everything. And so you go to the pediatrician, for example, and she's like, oh, no, I can't do that here. Let me send you to the specialist, which is cool that they want to make sure you're getting the best care possible. But it's also really hard when it's, we have to either take a translator with us or go to somebody who speaks English. And so it can be hard to find care in that mm -hmm. way. I think it goes without saying, but I will absolutely say it, that it's hard to be away from family. Yeah. And we try our best to video chat every week with our families, but it's not the same. It's not the same as being there, especially with kids. Mm -hmm. Well, and I imagine too, especially you've been abroad during the whole pandemic. And so I know you know, the fear that I felt and being isolated. We were in Virginia while most of my family was in Pennsylvania or Tennessee. And like, I mean, that's the same time zone and it was hard. So I can only imagine how much that must have been, how much more difficult that must have been. 
I think it was really hard to be a teacher here at that time, as well as be a student. The reaction to COVID here was has really run the gamut, honestly. And so we we spent most of a year and a half online and yeah. almost exclusively online. We had a brief time at the beginning and the end of the school years in person, but most of it was taught online. We've been in person most of this year, but there have been changing requirements. The government has not always been good about communicating those again, but it's it's been hard sometimes to to know what we're allowed to do and what we're expected to do. And our partners have been great about communicating what they can, but they don't always have the information that they need. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest problems with being online so long is that it's really taken a toll on the mental health of the students. Have you been able to see any improvement with that as you've been back in person this past year, or is it continuing to be hard for them? Yes, and? Yeah, sure. Yes, there's there's absolutely uh, a lot of improvement, but part of that too is just being able to see people in person and getting a better sense of how they actually are mental health wise by seeing them and seeing how they're navigating the space and how much they're talking to their friends, things like this. I think that I've always felt like a teacher the whole time I've been here. And it's this year or this past year and a half, maybe that I felt more like a missionary Mm. because I feel like a lot of my role this year and and last year has been to be a support and to be a mental health support. I don't know how many times I have told my students, your grades are important for a few years, your mental health and how you treat yourself are important for your entire life. Yes. There have been times when I've been in the classroom and I've said this and I see people visibly relax. Because that's a big deal to have an adult say that, especially like in the teacher role where they are preparing for these super intense exams uh, to, to leave school, to think about what's next for them. And so to have that grace come from a teacher has got to be huge. I gave some of my students a pep talk right after grades came out as well. And I just wanted to remind them that they were more than their grades. Mm. And I think that's something we all need to hear as students and also as adults too, like that we are more than what we achieve, than what we produce, than what we get done in a day that we are beloved children of God no matter what whether you get a hundred or you don't even show up that day like God's love for you and your worth and dignity of us as a person is not dependent on any of those things I definitely wasn't speaking to only them (laughs) yeah maybe a little bit to yourself as well (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah 
I mean, so it's it's clear, especially in these past few stories that you've shared, that like this is not just teaching. This is something that you are bringing your love to and your faith to as well. So I wonder if there are kind of particular ways that or other ways that you see your faith kind of shining through in in the work that you're doing with your students or even just being in Slovakia in general. Absolutely. There is a trend in a lot of places towards secularization. And so a lot of the students that I work with are certainly Christian in name and not necessarily practicing Christians, but I believe that God's law is written in our hearts and that even people who are not strong believers or strong followers of Christ still want to be good people and want to improve society. And so being able to tap into that a bit has been a great joy for me. Because we're talking about all of these different topics and some of them very heavy topics, I feel like I kind of step up on a little social justice soapbox every week or every other week when we are in the housing unit, we talk about affordable housing and the necessity for a living wage mm-hmm. um, as well as affordable housing because it's it's a problem right now. yeah, and it's it's been a joy really to see people say children are our future. And it's so cliche. But I really do believe that, at least some of my students can make a big difference in the world. And the thought that I can be part of these conversations and part of forming their approach to different topics and helping them to identify and express their own ideas, that's so powerful because a lot of children and teenagers are just not thought of as having valuable opinions. And so to be in a position, even just to say, hey, I'm listening to you, I'm hearing what you're saying, can be really powerful. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's something that God does for us, right? That God listens. And so you are embodying like that aspect of our creator, of who Jesus was and is like as you listen um, to them. And I think I think we've said it somewhere along the line, but I also kind of want to be clear in saying that the school that you are teaching at is Lutheran affiliated. And so like your students know that you are a person of faith. And that is something that Well, I know, at least for me, it was something that was allowed to be a part of the classroom in a very different way than like the United States public school system. And so I think even as I know, like for me, as I was talking about some of these social justice issues and it was a very different world in uh, 2009, 2010 when I was there um, and I wasn't as well formed in some of my thinking, um, 
but being allowed to bring the faith into the component, um, into, into the conversation was really powerful that they could see an adult like living out their faith and be able to understand that. So I kind of heard like a spark in your voice when you were talking about social justice and some of the ways that you're able um, to speak to that and work with your students there. So I wonder if there's a particular project or activity within the realm of social justice that has been really meaningful for you. Definitely. I was part of a project this last year uh, that really did excite me. And I am looking forward to uh, repeating it again this year and hopefully other years um, as long as I continue to be at this school. So 16 Days of Activism Against Sexual and Gender-Based Violence is was originally started by the UN uh, around 25 years ago, I believe. Um, but it was the ELCA that invited me to take part. And I believe the World Council of Churches put together some material. Yes, yes, you are right. So <laughs> I was invited to to bring the schools into this. It starts on November 25th, which is International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. Mm. And it goes until December 10th, which is Human Rights Day. Oh, there are a, several other a I know, season it's, there. It's, it's like very a, well bookended. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't remember all of the different days that it encompasses, but there are two or three other events, I believe, within that time period. One of them being World AIDS Day, which I believe is December 6th. That sounds right. I was thinking the 6th or the 8th, one of the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what... I did was choose some of my students who I thought would be interested in participating in actions or planning actions at the school. So I gathered a group of student planners uh, who I had worked with over the three years that I had been at the school. We generated ideas. I felt like a lot of my work was mostly bringing this group together and then listening to what they had to say and helping organize and coordinate mm -hmm. to put something into action. And we, we created a lot of signs. We put together material, including statistics about sexual and gender-based violence. And kind of the big thing that we did was a visual representation that people were standing against sexual and gender-based violence. And that is called Thursdays in Black. So people wore black on uh, the two Thursdays that were part of this event. And it was amazing because you noticed who wasn't wearing black rather mm. than who was wearing black. And, and part of that is because the students who were on the planning team were very engaged. They were so interested in this, so interested in this project and really saw the need for it. One of the wonderful ideas that was generated during this time was to have an anonymous poster 
saying, you know, have if you have experienced sexual or gender-based violence, put a sticker on this page. And at this small Christian school of 400 students, it was so sad to see how many stickers there were. Oh, that's heartbreaking. I feel that in my gut. And knowing that the people who put these stickers on this poster are people that I see every day. Mm -hmm. Some of them wrote notes, and it was just a powerful, powerful representation that it's 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 here there mm-hmm. are so many people who are experiencing violence for many different reasons this is so powerful to hear because i i remember when i was in poland like just the patriarchy in general was something that i really struggled with and like how it was expressed in the culture there and some of the relationships there And so to have a space in the school to be able to like lift this up and name some of this and say, this isn't how God wants us to treat one another. This is not how we ought to treat one another. And that and that power of like, and it's happening here and it has happened to someone, you know, is I think really can has the potential to be life changing in, in how you approach things and how you understand that this affects real people. Um, and it's not just people in other places. It's, right, it's actually women everywhere in every place, as it turns out. Women and non-binary people. Yes. Transgender people. Um, one of the statistics that we highlighted was... I guess is actually more important now, I think, with the refugee crisis as, you know, Slovakia borders Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And so we've had something like 60,000 people who have asked for temporary protection within Slovak borders. And in, in Poland, it's been much higher than that. We've we've had, I believe, at this point, five new students from Ukraine come to wow. our school, and some of the other schools have accepted over 30 new students. And one of the statistics that we included was that refugees from Syria who are in camps for a long time suffer so much abuse that they would rather go back to Syria. Mm. And this is like over 50% of people who were interviewed said, no, I'd, I'd rather go back to Syria than stay in this refugee camp. That's just so powerful because this just continues. The violence across the world is escalating. There are There's so much attention on Ukraine right now, but there have also been other conflicts across the world that have been ongoing and you know most immediately we're seeing what's happening in ukraine but there are many places i i remember in our multicultural unit we talked about 
some statistics around refugees and people who have been both internally and externally displaced. And many of these camps were started in the early 90s and Mm. have existed. There are people who have lived there their entire lives. There are millions of children who have grown up in camps. Over 20% of the the population of Venezuela is now living outside of Venezuela. Mm. You know? Yeah. (laughs) There are just so many depressing statistics about how messed up this world is. And I think... Well, and I know part of what it means to be Christian, one thing that the Bible tells us more than any other thing is to welcome the refugee, to care for the immigrant, for the stranger among you. Like Jesus was a refugee as a child, as he fled the violence from Herod and how we care for those who are fleeing violence is very important and is one of the most um, direct ways that God calls us to live out our faith. And so I'm, I don't know what the word is, but the intersection of what your experience is currently that you, you moved to be an English teacher in Slovakia and knew that you were going to be bringing your faith to that. And now because of the violence in Ukraine, you are now also working with and supporting these these students and these families who are refugees like that is a lot that is very holy work i will say that there was an immediate response Mm. from people here as soon as war broke out i mean as soon as as soon as russia invaded beyond crimea because that has been going on for years. <laughs> yes. Um, but as soon as the the most recent armed conflict broke out, there there was just an intense response from Slovaks and from foreigners living in Slovakia. I see new places to help to donate living in a place where we do actually have refugees here. We can actually go someplace and bring diapers, bring clothes, bring those physical things that I know people in the U.S. would love to do and and feel like there's this tangible way to make a difference. We had a group from our church go to the main train station and clean and sanitize areas that refugees have been sleeping a lot of the Lutheran congregations, I mean, not exclusively Lutheran congregations, many congregations in general, but I am aware of multiple Lutheran congregations here that have been hosting refugees in their their space. People who are trying to find housing for refugees and, and schools. So in that uncertainty and in your life and in your work in general, like, are there other Bible verses or components of the faith that really sustain you? Because this is hard work that you are, that you are engaging in taking care of, you know, your students and also being a spouse and a mother in, in this time. So what are those what are some of those touchstones in scripture that are really important to you that help you 
do what you do each day. One of my personal favorite Bible passages is Psalm 139. Mm. I and my my dad is a retired pastor and he calls it the runaway bunny psalm. Okay, I've uh, never are you heard familiar this with called the, it. the book, the Margaret Wise Brown book. I don't where think there's so. This, there's this little bunny and he wants to run away from his mom. And so he says, okay, I'm going to turn into a ship. And the mom says, well, if you turn into a ship, I'm going to be the wind and I'm going to blow you where I want you to go. And okay, so I'll turn into a fish instead. And the mother says, well, then I'll turn into a, a fisherman and I'll fish you out of the water. And so it goes through a lot of different patterns. And I, I think it's such an apt description of this psalm because you've got, you know, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Mm. And it, <laughs> it really is the runaway bunny psalm. Wherever you are, I am there too. And that's such a powerful psalm. I mean, for anybody's daily life, but especially I think with you with moving so far away from home and and how that can feel that that separation, that isolation can be really intense. Um, and so knowing that God is there with you in that and that God was already there and like preparing for you. That's really beautiful. I've I will have to look up that book. Well, it has been such a joy and so powerful to hear your stories and what your experience has been, like particularly in what has been happening um, in the world throughout the pandemic and with the current conflict in Ukraine as well. And my hope is that maybe someone who's listening to this is thinking, wow, like, being a missionary teacher is a lot more than I might have expected. And this might be something that I'd like to be a part of. Um, or maybe they have a young adult or an adult. You don't have to be like I went right out of college. Um, but there are also, you know, adults who are in their 30s and 40s who go and also folks who go like right at the end of their, they retire, and then they go and enter this program. So can you share some of the details on how people might learn more and maybe even apply? It's, it's really an intergenerational program. Yeah. The, the requirements for coming are just that you have a bachelor's degree or higher. It is a faith-based program, so you need to have a faith background or at least an openness to practicing in a faith-based environment. There are, there are people who are here in the program who just want to volunteer and make a difference, but they still have, have an openness to, to being part of a faith-based program. You also, of course, have to have an interest in other cultures and teaching and living abroad. If you are interested in learning more, and I'd love to talk with you, you can search ELCA CET or ELCA Global Teach. We also have a Facebook page and an Instagram account. Um, again, ELCA CET. Thank you again, Naomi, for taking the time to be with us despite the six-hour time difference um, to be able to share your stories and your insights. I know it has meant so much to me to 
be reconnected with you in this way and to hear about your life and your daily work. And I know that it's going to mean a lot to our listeners as well. It was my pleasure. And I hope I hope to hear from some of your listeners. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you. Take care and be safe and be well. Thank you. Naomi has a message for those who are interested in supporting the efforts of these Central European schools and churches as they welcome Ukrainian refugees. She shared that the Lutheran disaster response, also known as LDR, has been on the ground working and financially supporting the individual efforts of the schools and churches. They've been really present with them and have already supported a number of projects already. The link for more information on how to give to Lutheran Disaster Response will be in the show notes. A prayer for modern mutual missionaries. Mother of all, you created all people and places. You rejoice in the diversity of culture and experiences of your people, including when we are able to build relationships across those diverse cultures. We repent of the ways that missionaries were dismissive and abusive in the past. We give thanks for the ways that we have learned to better come alongside one another, to grow in and through you, and how we experience mutual love and support, sustain those who are serving as missionaries today around the world, especially as they face unexpected and perilous circumstances. And even if we never travel to another country, keep our hearts open to see you and those we interact with each and every day, that we may show them love and respect and delight in the ways that we learn from each other. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. You may have heard last week or seen on social media that All Places Together is celebrating our one year anniversary. In addition to giving thanks to God and to each of you, all of our listeners for this incredible year, I'm also sharing my dreams about this coming year for our community. All Places Together has set a $1,200 fundraising goal to pay for a private social network for one year. One of the ways we are fundraising is through a limited edition merch sale. There are a few issues in the store earlier last week, but they are all sorted out now. So there's lots of fun stuff for you, your loved ones, and yes, even your pets. You can access the shop through our website, and it's also linked on our social media pages as well. 
Now, if you are good on t-shirts, stickers, and dog bandanas, and you would like to just make a one-time gift or an additional gift to this, you're able to do that through our giving platform. Just go to our website and scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together. Click that button and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. As always and as ever, thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and people like you who have already shared generously with All Places Together. We know it can be hard to give financially. We celebrate all of the ways that you share the stories of all places together with your people in your life and engage with the APT community throughout the week. This past week, I asked folks to share what their favorite episode or series of the podcast has been. And goodness, it's been so fun to see the diversity of responses. Joanne and Kayla both loved different parts of the God's Boundless Diversity series. Kayla naming Holy and Whole, and then Between and Beyond is two of her favorites. Luke also gave a shout out to Minds of God from that series, as well as the second episode of the podcast ever, Is Home Still Home? Kim shared that she was a fan of the mixtapes, and Trista said that she still thinks about the conversation that we had with Thomas about the Appalachian Trail. The post is still up, so feel free to go back and add your answer. I'd love to know which is your favorite. And keep an eye out for another question later this week. Until next time, remember that God loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.